0: it's Hannah Nieves of the Thrive Society podcast. And today I have the privilege of interviewing Alyssa Kuchta on here, of FYB Jewelry, also author of Following Your Bliss. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today.
1: Hey, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited.
0: So I'm really, really excited to have this conversation because, you know, listen, I go back like to COVID pandemic era, uh, where we connected and it has just been so beautiful to see your, um, involvement with your brand and also with the book. And I just would love to kind of showcase a little bit too, like a little bit about you. So you can you just share, like, how did you get started in this industry? What did it look like? Give us all the details.
1: For sure. So I started my company in 2011. Well, I was a senior at the University of Delaware. Now this is pre-Instagram, you know, pre-micro-influencer campaigns. Mm-hmm. pre-affiliate. I really started the business, you know, back before any of that was a thing. And I was inspired because I, I kind of had this mid-college crisis, as I like to call it, where I was a psychology major with a Chinese minor and about to graduate mm-hmm. in a year. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my future. And I really kind of took a look inside myself and, and said, what are the things that I'm actually passionate about, right? Like I always craved a creative outlet. I always loved accessories and fashion. Um, So I thought, why not just dabble in it and kind of see, right? I had this idea of starting a brand um, that would also give back to the community and empower other women, which was deeply inspired by my time being in a sorority and having that power Mm -hmm. when girls. So I just started like literally dabbling. I started my first collection on my bedroom floor in college with pieces that I owned I actually did a study abroad trip the summer before I launched the line. So I was able to source some really cool pieces from Poland and cool. the Berlin flea markets. Um, and I just started creating and I launched my first pieces on Facebook. This is back before Instagram. Oh my launched. gosh. I love it. And I just posted <laughs> a very cryptic caption, like something's coming soon or like something in the works just to kind mm-hmm. of put my viewers out there. And I had a lot of comments on that picture saying, oh my gosh, like, are you making these? Are you selling these? I love them. My first pieces were very different. The line has evolved a lot in the last 10 years, but I did these like really cool, like wire wrapped stone pendants and arrowhead necklaces and statement necklaces, and just a very different vibe. And I think, you know, having that positive response, like having those comments on my first few photos, just from friends and family that followed me on Facebook gave Mm -hmm. me the courage to think, okay, like, why don't I try really creating a line here? Um, And so, you know, I think being a student in college was a unique time to start a business because I had, you know, the student campus at my fingertips. I was able to do a pop-up, you know, very easily with my sorority sisters. Um, And my first trunk show that I did, I actually sold like $700 that night. The whole table got wiped clean. And as a college student who was making $10 an hour at my part-time job, that's a lot of money, (laughs) that's, That's a lot of hours I would have had to put in. And I think that first trunk show, and again, having the support of my friends on campus, my sorority sisters, that's what really gave me the, you know, the confidence that I could pursue this as something so I really started again from that mid-college crisis feeling of what am I doing with my life? Do I want to go to grad school? Do why don't I want to dabble in something that I'm interested in, right? Like I love this creative mm-hmm. outlet that I have. I like this idea of creating a brand around it. I was always inspired by entrepreneurs growing up. All of my jobs that I had through childhood and through high school and college were always yeah. small businesses, you know, whether it's a small cupcake shop or privately owned boutique or whatever it was, um, a lot of my mentors were business owners and were small businesses. So I think I always had that also kind of guiding me as like, I love this idea of having the independence and the creative freedom to create something that, you know, I really care about and that I love. So it all kind of started there. And then through my senior year, just little by little, I started to create a website and I got involved in the Entrepreneurship Center on campus. And when I was graduating, I didn't apply to any jobs. My mom thought I was crazy. She was like, mm-hmm. are you serious? We just, you know, supported you through college for four years with your psychology degree. You're not going to go to law school or grad school. Like you're really going to just make jewelry now. Mm-hmm. And I just, i was crazy enough. And I think part naivety, but also just extreme passion and, and belief that I could do this, that kind of guided me through. And when I graduated, yeah. I decided to go full throttle with the business. And I applied to every New York City pop-up market there was. I did the Bryant Park Holiday Shops. I did a shop that was in Greenwich Village. I did tons of trunk shows and started to kind of build the brand awareness through word of mouth. I love that. Um, So in those early days, it was a mix of in-person pop-ups, but then also growing a campus ambassador network. And again, I think it was really special because I was essentially curating tastemakers and influencers before they were even a thing. And it was all about empowering girls like me that were college students that maybe felt also felt lost in their career and wanted to build their resume in a really hands-on way. And so when I graduated, girls were reaching out to me, Hey, we'd love to continue doing trunk shows on campus. Like, how can we get involved? Can we intern with you? And that's when the light bulb moment happened of also creating the brand ambassador program. Um, and so it was really grassroots marketing. Um, you know, the last, I would say when I had the program really running, like over five years, we had over 500 members. From like over 75 different college campuses, everywhere from University of Rhode Island to UF to, you know, we had someone at UCLA, it was, it really spread like wildfire. And I think what made it so special was how personal it was. And it was a lot of friends of friends referring each other. And it became this like, you know, had a life of its own. It really was this incredible community of girls that were all aligned on the same vision to inspire and lift lift each other up, but while also helping me build the brand um, and giving back to different causes that they cared about. So it was really like kind of interesting how we we first grew in those early years without really having social media. You know, I mean, wow. we had but a lot of it was just these girls, you know, really being champions of the brand um, and building community as we started to build our social presence and kind of foray into wholesale eventually. Oh, my and, gosh. I love um, this. First few
0: Uh, years was very very real. I love this. And I feel like I have so many questions. And like the first one that was coming up to mind was, you know, you mentioned after college, like going into this full time, which can be really scary, especially when like, listen, you spend a lot of money on college and, you know, you think there's this path that you need to go into. So, um, either A, did you feel the fear? Um, and like, how did you, which I would imagine like every entrepreneur you do, but how did you work through that as well? Because it's so different from what like society tells us like your path needs to be. So how did you kind of move through the fear as you were making this transition?
1: Um, There definitely was fear. There was a lot of pressure, anxiety, especially for my parents who, you know, Mm -hmm. of course my mom really believes in me now and she's so proud, but in the beginning she kind of thought it was a joke. She, my mom is a medical doctor in China. She, you know, came here and always, you know, worked in the hospital and, you know, she had a very straightforward path. Like no one in my family was really an entrepreneur. I had entrepreneurial mentors and business owners in my life, but my family, they all had like, my stepdad was an engineer. They had just normal nine to five jobs. And it was very hard for them to wrap their head around this idea of me starting a business. You know, with mm-hmm. such a not really knowing what I'm doing, Um, but mm-hmm. I think having basically like a fallback plan. I think I always knew, okay, you know, I'm 21 years old. If all fails, I can always apply to a job. I can still live with my parents. I can save up money. I think I really like thought through, okay, well, if I don't try this now, but I regret it. And would there be a plan B if this, if this failed, if if everything flopped, what would I do? Right. And so I, you know, basically was lived very frugally. My first, my first few years in business, I moved back home in Jersey. I was commuting on the bus, you know, to get to New York city, to do my pop-ups and events and and business meetings. And I lived at home for like, I would say two years investing Mm -hmm. every dollar back into the business. Um, and again, like I had other job opportunities, like lined up, if that were to fail, I, I did do a couple internships, um, one with a PR agency that offered me a job. So I knew I had options, you know, if for, if for whatever reason I decided that this wasn't the path anymore, I could always pl- apply for a job. There was always like, you know, a plan B. And I think it's important if you are you know, dabbling with this idea of going out on your own, starting a business, like having a fallback plan in place, because that will ease your anxiety. If you know, like, okay, I can always move back home. I can give up my apartment you know, how can I keep expenses lean so I can invest every dollar back in to really grow this thing? Um, So I think that helped combat the fear, knowing that there is always another option if it was to fail.
0: And I think too, I wholeheartedly agree with that as well, because a lot of people think, you know, like, oh my gosh, what if it does fail? So what if it does fail? That's okay. You know, like you have these plans, you have these fallback plans. um, And I think it's more so I had a very similar situation when I started my business as well with, you know, the worst thing that can happen. Okay. I go back to corporate America and it's okay. I learned something new. No one's dying here. We're okay. Um, So I love that you said that too. And just also like being very frugal in the beginning. Like I can also resonate with that as well. I think when you're starting your business, um, you see this a lot too, people get like they start increasing their revenue um, and then they start to their lifestyle starts to also increase as that happens, which can be so easy. But I like that you said that, too, because at the end of the day, um, it's like you're seeing the vision long term and it can be easy to get caught up in the materialistic things like let's go buy a $5,000 handbag since we just did great in sales this month. You know,
1: you have to be smart because that $5,000 could go toward your marketing budget mm-hmm. right thousand dollars. If you, you know, it's like, you have to always have foresight and, you know, I think being frugal in the beginning will only help your business grow where you can spend more down the line. Right. Like mm-hmm. I think I gave up Annie peddies and yeah. to buy friends and, and really, and it was hard. It's hard to say no to certain things, but now yeah. I'm at a point where I have that luxury of being able to do those things because I saved so hard and hustled so hard in my early twenties to build a business to where it is versus spending all of it as I was making it. Um, I love that. So
0: I love that. So good. So good. Okay. So another question I have, because you know, like marketing is my jam and I just think it's so fascinating. You mentioned before when you started your business, it was in the pre Instagram era. So you really created this really cool and dynamic marketing plan. And I'm just curious, like, did that just come intuitively to you? Like, how did you decide like, okay, we're going to go the ambassador route because I mean, back then 2011 too. I mean, it's like Facebook. Um, I don't even know if like MySpace was like a thing anymore at that point, but Instagram wasn't really out there. And I don't think YouTube was really at the capacity it was. So I'm just curious, like, how did you go through that route? How did you decide for your business? And that, that was the route that was best.
1: I think there were a few prongs here. I think number one, because I was in a sorority, I think it was mm-hmm. really easy to grow the brand through word of mouth because Everyone knew about the brand, on at least at UDel's campus, right? And then from mm-hmm. there, it was like, girls had a friend or a sister or a cousin at another university, and they wanted to get involved. So it was a very like easy approach, because I have this incredible network of supportive girls at my fingertips, where mm-hmm. they were excited about the brand, they wanted to be a part of it. So it kind of happened without me even trying, slash, it was an opportunity that presented itself without even really thinking too much about it. It was very intuitive, and it just made sense, right? Um, and I, you know, my biggest passion was being a mentor to them and being this big sister figure. And it was so rewarding to see, you know pictures of the girls hosting their own FYB trunk show on their campus. You know, I felt like a proud mom. <laughs> like,
0: wow, mm-hmm. like
1: incredible network of girls we were creating. um and you know, the friendships that they built. And I think it just kind of fueled itself because it was such a natural progression of the brand because mm-hmm. I was a college girl starting the company, and it it just kind of naturally evolved. I also think, in terms of like budget wise, it was the smartest thing because mm-hmm. you know that word of mouth marketing obviously was zero dollars to me, and it was very authentic. And having girls refer them, I mean, obviously now with influencers and you know it, it's a different world. And um, not saying that's not authentic, but there's something really authentic when there's no, you know, mm-hmm. real incentive behind it other than purely them loving the brand and wanting to share it. Um, so I, I think the really unique time to start something like that you know before even realizing what it was um and it kind of just mm-hmm. it really
0: organically I love that too. And I love that, you know, you decided that that was the best for best fit also for your target demographic too, which I think is key because a lot of people think that they have to fit their marketing plans into certain, you know, buckets. And this is the plan that you have to do. And I love that You really, really listened also to your customer as well. Um, considering that most of them were in college. Um, this is awesome. I feel like there's so many, like I have so many questions right now, but I also want to touch on the fact that you, you just came out with a book that's going to be coming out, which guys, I'm going to be linking it in uh, for pre-orders in the bio here. Um, talk to us about how this mission with a jewelry company now transforming into the book, follow your bliss. How did that come about? Talk to us about the vision and the mission here. And yeah, just give us all the details.
1: For sure. So the mission of my brand has always been about inspiring and empowering girls to follow their bliss. Right. And what does that mean? To me, it means you show them what's possible, right? You show them through my story of starting the company with like $100, in my bank account, not knowing what I was doing or connecting them that. With mentors that can help them and show them the way, whether it's job shadowing or whether it's just having conversations. I think storytelling is incredibly powerful and a huge component of mm-hmm. how do you inspire someone to follow their passion and believe that they too can do something. So the idea for the book, you know, I think it was always a bucket list thing where I thought maybe down the line, I'll create a book, but it never was, you know, top of mind, I would say, because I always felt like maybe I'm not ready but I was doing um, a trade show. So we do all the trade shows. We do New York now, we do accessories, the show, we do the Atlanta apparel market as we've segued into wholesale. And at one of my last shows before COVID, this is August, 2019 at New York now. um, I had a booth there and my publisher was scouting the show for female founded mission-driven companies to co-partner to create a book with. Now they've created Mm -hmm. books with mantra band and quotables and a lot of other amazing companies um, as part of like a marketing, you know, branch of their business, essentially, to have this amazing book that kind of brings their mission and their story to life. Um, so she, They actually approached me about it. And they were like, we love what you're doing. We love what you're building with your company. Have you ever thought about writing a book? So it wasn't kind of like I had the manuscript and I was self-publishing. It really was the mm-hmm. opposite.
0: Uh-huh. I had this
1: incredible opportunity. And then I said, of course, yes, I would love to you know, create a book. And it, it kind of got me thinking, like, if I was to create this book, what would the contents be? So it was kind of like the reverse process for me where I had to almost come up with the content versus having the content and pitching it out there so it was a really cool experience um and again like very intuitively it just felt very natural to come up with this idea of like featuring incredible trailblazing women that have followed their bliss and sharing dis- different pieces of advice on how they got there whether it's overcoming adversity or heartbreak or rejection or you know tips on how they built their community and, and what friendships mean to them you know all the pieces of advice that you know a young woman going through her mm-hmm. 20s and 30s and kind of evolving through different stages in her life needs to hear. Um, and that's really what inspires the collections in our, our our jewelry collections as well. For example, we have charms that are Perseverance or Ride the Wave, Be a Wildflower. All of the charms in our collection ended up becoming chapter titles. Um, so it was this really like, I had this light bulb moment of how do I create a book that encompasses the sentiments and the meanings of what these charms are, paired yeah. with stories of resilience from women that have been there and have you know, they serve as living proof of how, of what it means to follow your bliss. So Mm. the whole concept kind of happened. And then I spent a few months working with my publisher and my editor on the manuscript concept and getting approved by the marketing team. It was like a four month process of approvals. And then January 1st, 2020 is when the writing started to happen. So I spent, you know, all of COVID quarantine really writing and interviewing. And, you know, I think for me, it was really a blessing in disguise having, this time, it was like one of the positives to come out of an incredibly disastrous, devastating mm-hmm. year that we all had, you know, I was able to connect with people in a really deep way and have time on their calendars, or maybe some of these women that are powerhouses, wouldn't have had time to really connect and take a step back and, and offer their advice. Like for example, Gabriella Hurst is one of the women in my book, Veronica Webb, Stacey London, um, Amanda Wynn, incredible activist and Nobel Peace Prize nominee, right? Like, I was just able to connect with this incredible caliber of women um, and, you know, some were phone conversations, some were Zoom calls, some were emails, um, but really just getting them to kind of open their heart and share, you know, what piece of advice they would want to tell their younger self or what would they give to the world if they could could say anything. And, you know, every chapter is a different topic. Every quote is different. Every piece of advice is different. And there's such an incredible range of ages, industries, backgrounds, stories that I think the book really has something for everyone to take from it. Um, mm-hmm. And it really is meant to be a book that feels like a best friend kind of sharing something with you. It's meant to be very personal and raw. And throughout the book, I kind of weave in and out little excerpts from my life, from things I've learned through starting FYB over the last 10 years, um, stories from my mom who immigrated here when she was 35 wow. from China and you know the hardship that she faced. Um, there's all different little you know anecdotes from my life, my mom's life, and these incredible women that are featured that I think mm-hmm. really make special.
0: I love that. I have the chills right now. I cannot wait to share this with our community as well. Um, and I would love to also like kind of flip the switch too and ask you, like for those that are listening, a lot of the women that are listening in, you know, most um, are other entrepreneurs, business owners, or they're in the corporate arena and they're transitioning to their businesses. What type of advice would you say, or would you give just after all the lessons that you've learned after building FYB and now this book?
1: Oh, wow. This is a big question. (laughs) I know it's a meaty question. (laughs) So many things I would want to say, but I think, you know, one of the biggest things that I've struggled with for years and I still struggle with, and I combat combat it every day is really just don't compare yourself. Mm. It is so easy to compare yourself to other businesses, to other entrepreneurs, to other women, and always feel like no matter how far you get, it's never enough. And you really have to not do that because that will rob you of your joy. will rob you of any pride you have for where you are. You have to really focus on what it is you're building and you have to have vision and you have to have passion. I know it sounds cliche, but there really is something to be said about that. You have to really care um, and be driven by something bigger than monetary gains or fame yes. or person, whatever it is. You need to have a purpose. You know, for me, it's really building this network of women. It's really inspiring other young women to believe in themselves. There's a different, Motivation I have when I think about what I'm building toward. It's bigger than just sell lots of jewelry, sell lots of books. It's like, what is the mission here? What is the takeaway? And how are we making an impact or difference in someone's life, even in the smallest way? Even if it's just a smile on their face when they read the charm message, right? I think you have to really hone in on what, like your why, Simon Sinek, start with why, highly recommend reading that. Um, And you have to really have vision and also, like, try not to get overwhelmed. I think have big dreams, have big goals, but break them down into bite-sized chunks. I do this to myself every day where I make a to-do list of like 15 things, everything feels important. And then I almost get paralyzed in my own anxiety of, well, I didn't get this done. And then you almost you know, spread yourself so thin where you can't focus. And focus, focusing on one thing at a time is the most important thing. Really break it down by day, by week, by month, by year and have those goals be obtainable to you and not something that feels like I'm never gonna reach that or I'm I'm so behind. You know, so I think it's two part, really don't compare yourself, be appreciative and grateful for where you are. Your success will unfold in its own time. You know, I published a book this year, but I've been doing this for 10 years. You know, it's not an overnight success Mm -hmm. Things, You know, you need to have patience. Things take time and things will unfold for you in the stage that you're meant to receive them. You know, things will happen Um, and really make it bite, bite bite-sized chunks for your to-do list.
0: I love that you said that too. And um, because again, like goal setting can feel really overwhelming. And the fact of like almost like a laundry list, you're just like trying to check things off. Um, but I love that you said that because truly it's like this goal setting really is like this process in this journey of evolving as yourself, right? Like with every goal that you're accomplishing, you're, you're slowly evolving as a person. So I, I love that. And I love this conversation. You are fantastic. Um, I feel like we need to do like a part two as well. But I wanted to um, dive into our last question here, which is, you know, the reason why I started this podcast, Thrive Society Podcast, because listen, Instagram has a beautiful way of showcasing that entrepreneurship, running a company and a business is this glorified thing, um, which it can be, but you know, like you said, it takes time, it takes hard work. um, And there's a lot of challenges that you don't see online. So I'm just curious, like, was there like a specific experience or something that you've learned that really just like impacted you and your trajectory?
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh, there are so many, (laughs) but if I was to like, kind of, you know, spew out all the challenges and lessons and, and things I look back, on, like, why did I do that? Or like, you know, if only I had known this, then failures and and rejections, there's so much. And I think, like you Mm -hmm. mentioned, we don't share enough of that. Um, I think there's a couple of things that really changed the trajectory of the company for me. Number one was realizing that, you know, while this campus ambassador network was so, you know, powerful and incredible and still a big part of our mission, it wasn't the revenue driver, right? And I think Mm -hmm. I realized after building this network over the, you know, over my first five years, that it wasn't really scalable. And I was kind of feeling behind. I was looking at other brands and I'm like, well, what can I do to really scale the company? And it was segueing into wholesale, which was a really scary decision because trade shows are very expensive. I think now there's, you know, a lot of other ways to branch into wholesale. You have Instagram, you can DM stores, you can hire on a sales team. Um, you can do cold calling. You know, there's obviously other ways, but for me doing a trade show was really the path forward of getting in front of a lot of buyers at once, kind of leveling up and, you know, kind of Transitioning us from being this d to c campus ambassador model brand to now becoming more of a wholesale brand and, and building partnerships with retailers. So I think that was number one was realizing that maybe this isn't working. And the initial vision that I had of being this like, you know, big social selling jewelry company like Estella and Dot, like a Chloe and Isabel, like a beauty counter, right? These the social selling model wasn't scalable unless I either A raised a ton of money, you know, went through a series A or, or really pitched to investors. Or B, kind of realizing that this, you know, unless I really focused on it, it wasn't going to drive the business, Mm -hmm. drive it, drive it in a way that I wanted to grow it. Um, So Mm -hmm. I think it was a huge decision to like, A, make that investment cost. I think my first trade show was like, you know, they're anywhere from six to to $10,000 for a trade show. That's a lot of money when you're 25 years old and you're still, you know, making ends meet and trying to build the business but ultimately it was the best decision because it helped us grow our retail partnerships. Mm -hmm. I think that was something of realizing like you can't be glued to one vision for your business. If it's not working, shake things up and pivot. You know, I think it also taught a lot of companies they needed to pivot if they didn't have an online presence and they were only brick and mortar and had to shut their store down. How did they pivot their business? Right. It forced all of us out of our comfort zone. So I think realizing that early on that I needed to pivot the company from being social selling to wholesale was a huge thing. I Mm -hmm. think, Another challenge, again, is, is again, kind of realizing when is the right time to make that investment cost. So for many years, I ran the company out of my two-bedroom apartment, right? I had one bedroom as a home office. And it got to the point where, you know, we were shipping out this like $15,000 order from my living room, from my bedroom, from my office. We were all like spread out. My business partner, who's my husband, Sam, um, and also our employee at the time, like the three of us were literally scrambling in our like Williamsburg apartment to get this huge order out and I literally we looked at each other and we're like we can't do this anymore we need to find an office space like this is ridiculous you know being lean and being frugal served us but it got to a point where we needed to invest in a, in a true space having a showroom in an office so that day I'll never forget it this is like 2019 we looked at each other and we're like we can't do this anymore we're, we're bursting at the seams we got in the car like Sam found a bunch of listings online we found a couple of showroom spaces we went and visited within two hours we signed a lease and we were moving like the next week.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: And, um, and, but, you know, I think also having that space really changed the game in so many areas, right? Having a space where people could come shop in person, having more space to ship orders out. We've really grown as a company in the last two years by having that space, right? Wow. I just wish I had done it sooner. Um, but I think knowing when to take that leap and that financial risk, whether it's a trade show or a bigger space, a new office, and now we're looking into bigger spaces with like a storefront potentially. So there's a lot so happening cool. in the company where like, you can't be afraid to invest in your, in your business, to invest in yourself because, you know, to, to make money, you have to spend money and you can't be afraid of a little bit of debt if it's needed um, to really grow and scale. And you'll see that come back tenfold. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, the challenge was deciding, is it the right time? Am I scared? You know, we're running things very lean right now. Do we need to have that additional cost? Yeah. Um, but it was well worth it. And I think you have to really, you know, assess when things aren't working, knowing when to pivot, not being afraid to pivot and also knowing when to invest in your business at the right time, you know, not putting yourself in much debt, but also making decisions that are
0: ultimately going to grow your company. I love that. Love that. Thank you so much for sharing that too. And I'd love to know like what's upcoming for the brand, um, for the book, like what should people be looking out for? And I'm going to include all the links as well in the show notes too.
1: Amazing um well we are actually launching a rebrand um in january awesome. working on right now we're changing our logo and our fonts and just kind of going in a more fresh direction i feel like you know the brand has you know been a certain vibe all these years but as i'm growing the brand is growing with me and how do we evolve and how do we branch out to you know a more sophisticated direction while maintaining you know the essence of being that big sister being that girl next door vibe but then also appealing to a new target audience, which is this like trendy city girl, right? This young professional, Mm -hmm. how to branch out from only being this college brand. Um, So rebrand is coming, which is really exciting. Um, We are looking into a new showroom space. So a larger space where we can have more events. We're going to be rolling out a lot of different workshops next year. One of which will be our golden hour series where we hope to bring in mentors for fireside chats kind of, you know, in tandem with the book, like how do we really build this community and, you know, share more women's stories and have them, you know, really mentor in a hands-on way other young girls that are looking for that. Um, And we have new collections coming in the works. And I think with the book launch, there's going to be a lot of excitement and buzz around the company, which Mm -hmm. I'm just so excited and, and grateful to have. Oh,
0: this is amazing. 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 Thank you. First off, thank you so much for taking the time out to be here to share all your wisdom and your knowledge. And I just appreciate it because I, you know, it's very raw and authentic. And I think that's the biggest thing that I'm always trying to showcase this community. Um, so I just really appreciate this and thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much, Hannah. This has been such an amazing conversation and I'm so grateful for you having me on.
0: Thank you.